there was a bear also traveling to Alabama that found my bag under the plane and decided to have a little mid-flight snack. And so I got to find a Best Buy in Mobile, Alabama that uh, was open for another 20 minutes by the time I got there this evening. Wait, you're in Mobile? Yes. I thought you were going to visit Sam's family in Savannah. That was last month. Yeah. Uh, I had already talked about up. that. I had it queued up for JP to play five seconds of West Savannah by Outcast. I was listening to it a lot. In honor of a previous Southern trip from a month ago. <laughs> Have we been recording this whole time? Yep. Uh, for a while. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. We got to put some, we need to bring back Benny's bonus belligerence for some of this because this can't make the regular feed. I mean, this can, <laughs> but when I was about to cry, please don't put that in the main episode, JP. That's the opener. Yeah, whatever. I don't want to be on, whatever. I don't give a shit. Fuck it. <laughs> Welcome to the 127th episode of the Belligerent Thieves podcast. I hope you listeners appreciate this point. <laughs> there has been more effort to even just get this one started than the 126 rendition of this stupid ass podcast before this. We really love you. We love you so much that I will spend money on a microphone that will drive me crazy in Mobile, Alabama <laughs> as a Best Buy is about to close to get you a goddamn episode on time. And hopefully this doesn't create too much work for JP. Something tells me it will, but that's okay. It always does. This whole this whole thing creates work for JP. Yeah. That's Labor like, love. And we, it, and we love you for it, JP. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, JP. Thank you. Well, now, I mean, this. I feel like this took away from the celebratory feel of the moment at Never. hand. Never! Never. We have two weeks to celebrate. I'm. I fucking hate you guys so much. <laughs> I was just <laughs> about to put a bunch of hype on the Niners, and you have to come in and just bogart the whole goddamn segment. The Niners are in the Super Bowl. Congratulations. That's it. That's all you're getting from me. Thanks. Thanks. Did you have fun yesterday watching your little game? Yeah. No. Not it the first half. Very yeah, stressful. <laughs> the first half did not look fun for Niner fans. Yeah. Actually, what's what this is this is a good story. Yesterday, my so my wife is on the uh I don't classroom parent board or whatever for the mini base class. And two months ago they were told that they had to do a parent gathering and every class is required to do one every single year well we hadn't done one last year in kindergarten so we were like oh this is new to us okay and it's supposed to be that the priest of the school comes and like says some words and then you get together and have dinner and drinks and it's like a potluck so like i don't know and he started his prayer with bang bang niner gang no actually (laughs) actually a lot worse so like six days ago, I realized that, that I'm like, wait, Annie, when is this thing planned for? And she's like, Sunday. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> at three. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. And she's like, you, you have to go. Like I planned it. I'm like, all right. Well, 
uh, if I go, I'm going to go to be there to, to show face for the the uh, prayer, and then I'm out. I'm going home, and so I'm I'm decked out in all my Niners gear. We go. This is my plan. Luckily, the the guy, yeah. the family's house that we went to, they're Niners fans. So they put it on their big TV. There's other Niners fans there. There's other people who are just NFL fans with rooting interests. There's a there was a Minnesota Vikings fan who just wanted to see the Lions lose because he was hoping to that they would always be the bottom dwellers of the division and didn't well, want to ever acknowledge that they were in a Super Bowl more recently than the Vikings, which is a wow, good argument. Ra- raise a banner, Vikings fans. Yeah. <laughs> We did it. So <laughs> so I'm standing there like totally decked out. And everyone, of course, I get all the comments. I'm in my Niners jacket. I'm in my Kittle jersey. Got my red Niners cap on. And everyone's like, oh, which team are you rooting for? Right? Like, it just, everyone, for, for fun. But then the priest, the priest starts to be like, starts the prayer. And he's like, he's like, does anyone have a football team that they would like me to pray for? And I was like pulling up my the SF on the jacket. I was like, I do. And he said no. He straight up <laughs> told me no in front of the whole class's parents. So, yeah, I think that it, God is a 49ers fan, even if the priest of the school is not. So he might want to. Is uh, he like a Seahawks fan? I don't know, but he might want to have a few more conversations just, with his Lord. Someone who had like the weekly prayer at the church that I used to go to growing up. <laughs> this was like maybe five or six years ago. But at the end of it, he said, like, Lord, hear our prayer, Skull Vikings. And that was the end of it. And I guess that was like a scandalous moment in the churches, in the congregation's history, where like one committee of people complained about it being inappropriate and that he should have like his whatever service privileges revoked. And yeah, it wasn't me, but it was your dad. (laughs) My dad hates the Vikings. as I know. know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a plant. Good job, Dad. Um, but yeah, that's that's funny, JP. That it is a good. Cold. That's a good story. Yeah, but I showed up right away, and everyone was like, "Ooh, like, you see the first half?" I'm like, "Yes, of course, I saw the first half." So we got there at halftime, and I'm oh. like, "Yeah, <laughs> oh, that, that's like, terrible. That is the like, absolute I got last faith. thing I want to do on NFC I Championship like, I got faith. Sunday. I got faith." I, I, I know we'll pull it through, but the priest had no faith. Right. The person Oof. you think had the most. <laughs> a priest in Portland. That's that's who I think. When I think Niners fandom, that's what immediately comes to mind. Well, he's not <laughs> from Portland. I think he just moved to Portland. I don't know where he's from. Well, you should have tested him. Be like, you, any football teams that anyone wants me to pray for? If Once he said no to the Niners, you could have been like, how about Oregon State football? Well, you say you're I a godly you man, today. prove it, sir. Yeah. yeah. Prove it. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need God's help. If anything, this weekend, we, we, have we, we are <laughs> we are God's team, at least in basketball. <laughs> the best basketball school on the planet for four days straight. No kidding. Oh, and the what a weekend are rolling in as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun talking about basketball tonight we're making this a basketball heavy episode because one both men's basketball men's basketball and women's basketball teams fucking earned it and two it's been a while since we've been this excited about basketball on a show all season we've been 
all season you've been mad that we haven't been ranked while also simultaneously saying rankings don't matter. <laughs> don't act like it's just been like, woohoo, pop and circumstance. We've been well, they- mad. We've been yelling at haters all season. Now we actually get to smell the roses a little bit. Yeah, but I'm still mad. But the rankings still don't matter. <laughs> I'm still mad about this thing that doesn't matter. I just want the record to reflect that I'm mad about it, but also know that it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you that's can have it both ways. You can have it both ways. You can have it all. Yeah, that's why we started this show so that we can have it all. Yeah, but we're a long ways from that. Yeah, we're pretty <laughs> much there. The the billions we were talking about, I don't know if you even shared the name of the billionaire on the show, but that was, we were looking at the belligerent beeves offshore bank <laughs> accounts. That's where those numbers were coming from. Uh, and that money is rolling in. Scotty B, expect a large check that can only be cashed at three different banks in the world because of how big it is. <laughs> it's coming. We we got to go to Belize to cash it though. That That's, that's how official. I'm excited for that trip. Yeah, dude. Belize with Scott Barnes. Let's do it. Mm. <laughs> Cash and checks. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm already like halfway there. Well, you're yeah, right. You pretty much are. <laughs> it's just a little quick little jaunt yeah, I'm, over. I'm in, uh, I'm, the in, Gulf. I'm in. I'm already in the Belize of Southern Alabama, if you will. Hey. Or America. <laughs> or, yeah, or, the Belize the, of America. Uh, the Belize of North America, because Belize is in Central America, which is famously part of America. North America, America. United States of America. Of Southern North America. South North America. (laughs) We're not here to give anyone a civics lesson or a geography lesson. We're here to cheers to the beeves. Cheers to Reagan beers. Yeah. Prayers up to Jordan Pope and the entire Oregon State basketball family. What a weekend at Gill, which we're going to get into. But first, we'll get into the Reagan beer segment. And I have a special beer that I got just for JP, but I'm not going to go first because I don't have it with me right now. I need to run to the freezer at this Airbnb to go get it, which I didn't do earlier because we were solving all of the world's microphone issues at first. So JP, a- why don't you go first? Okay. It's run. It must, have, it must be a Belizean beer, I imagine. Is that what they call them? Belizean? A be- a Bel- oh, a Belizean. That actually kind of sounds cool. It does sound cool. I wish, I wish it was. I don't it know is. that it is. Okay. Well, now it, it is. is a Belizeite. <laughs> yeah, it's the type of beers that they were drinking in in Bruges. Yeah. <laughs> that I, I cannot say. But oh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I I will lead off. I went to Great Notion this weekend, and nice. shout out to Katie the Goat and Funky Paul Molina. We got together with them. Had you know, a lot of beers, mid-afternoon, it was great, and I picked up because it was no longer on tap, so I felt like there's a reason, right? It must be pretty popular, but it's a West Coast version of the very ever-popular Juice Invader, which is mm. the one of the flagship hazies from Great Notion, but this one's a West Coast IPA version of it. I have not tried it yet. I have not. Ooh. I held off. I'm Ooh, doing a live tasting too. We're bringing live tastings back. We back. We're we're back, baby. We're so back. Beeves back. Beeves back. Beeves so and beers back. I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah, it's good. I can... <laughs> There's no way you're going to say anything else. 
No, but <laughs> it's amazing because when I started pouring it, part of my brain didn't realize, like, I thought Juice Invader, it's a hazy IPA. But it started pouring out pretty clear. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course, it's a West Coast IPA. It's not going to be hazy at all. But it still has, like, some hazy, like, flavor to it. So it is, it's interesting, but it's still pretty good. I would give it a four and a five. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. It's like an average score for you, right? It means I will have it again. Okay. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, I did at least still have time to get some. Well, I got some barbecue in Mobile tonight, which Ooh. was delicious. Well, uh, and barbecue. I was also able to run to the liquor store as well. And I was just looking for something to be good for the show. And I saw this from Braided River Brewing Company, which is a brewery down here in Mobile. And this is a double dry hopped, double brute India Pale Ale, limited wow. release. And it just sounded like a beer that JP would drink. So mm. sounds like a I, good bang for your buck. I kind of know Mobile breweries. Oh, it's got several. Oh, I found a few when I was here for the Senior Bowl last year. And I came. Some may say you come to the Senior Bowl earlier in time to go to all of the media availabilities, but that's just, you know, lies to go to more breweries and more barbecue and spend more time in the uh, city that is really proud of being the home of Mardi Gras in in the United States of North and South America. Is, so. is Mobile to you what El Paso is to me? Maybe. Yeah. That's probably a yeah. good count. That's probably a good count comparison yeah okay we need to to mobile to you what belize is to belize no definitely not (laughs) no i don't know much about belize other than it's beautiful and that we have 53 billion dollars there uh but yeah (laughs) i i think that is not as apt of a comparison but anyway i will be having uh this beer right now on the show for the first time okay but i want i want all top of mind commentary right now go don't even think just say just speak just speak just speak yeah it's good nah <laughs> see <laughs> dry it's, it's like a dry okay yeah the brut that's the brut in that aftertaste right there wow you know dry brut brut one might say effervescent you could definitely taste the crushed white grapes in there i'm getting notes of gooseberry Definitely papaya and some passion fruit, fresh spice, which I feel pretty confident is all here because it's also written on the can. And that's yeah. what I was reading and then not channeling all my summel, beer sommelier vibes. Well, um, you can always trust JP, I think you I think you would give this about a 4.2. So what? at some point. What Dang. do you give it? <laughs> I have it. I'd, I'd give it a 4.2. A 10. <laughs> I'll give it a 10 out of 5. Because I'm drinking wow. two of them. Yeah. And I, <laughs> well, essentially, you are what probably the ABV of that. Right. Beer. Yeah. Where? What is ABV on here? It doesn't. That's always a good sign if they're not even going to oh, tell you. Nelson Sauvin hop. Nelson Sauvin. 11%. Oh. oh. It's not like, it's not as like booze forward as you'd expect with an 11% beer. So I like that a lot. I feel like a beer that doesn't have the ABV is kind of like a restaurant where it says, like, if you want to order crab, it's like market value. It's like oh. order at your own risk. Yeah. 
Just drink yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Just we're drink not going to tell you how much it costs until your bill comes and it's already too late. Yeah. <laughs> the bill, the oh. bill is a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> the worst kind of bill. Uh, I am just drinking kava tea again, but it uh, it is in a cool mug. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Mm. Did we make Bears Beeves Battlestar Galactica? Beers Beeves Battlestar Galactica. Was that ever a mug that we made? No, but no. I think it was a shirt. Was it a no, shirt? No, we that just we made? said it. We just said it. We said it. And well, let's say it again. I think we should yeah. all say it. Beeves, Beers, Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Finish it, Benny. You didn't. You just said the first. Beeves, Beers, Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. He didn't want to get tongue tied. I That's thought we one. were changing. I didn't realize we were changing beats. Be- <laughs> beats, Beeves, Beers, and Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> they say in the show, Dwight says bears do not eat beets, but maybe beavers do. They might. Well, I'm hungry beaver bet you they do. Yeah. Is this the part of the podcast where you look things up? Well, they like. <laughs> I mean, they they do like lettuce. So if they're gonna eat anything that's kind of grown in the ground, I bet you they will dig yeah. up a little beet and enjoy one. Does he do, do type do of beets to make you pull over and go, "Wow, I need this beet right now." Those are the hey, money beats. Damn. But oh, that beat slaps. That beat slaps. <laughs> we said that a lot in your in, in your in-room studio back in uh, Corvallis, JP. <laughs> that beat so slap. many slapping beats. <laughs> so, many, so many slapping beats, man. <laughs> is that Him Irish or Jamaican? Is, is slapping a, is, yeah. Why does everything I do sound like a leprechaun? I'm trying to sound like a ringgit. <laughs> no, it's a leprechaun. <laughs> Uh, love, I love you, man. Great movie, and I love you guys. I love you, men. I love men. Let's go. Let's go. I love everybody, dude. And I love basketball. We are raising this glass to Reagan Beers, to Jordan Pope, to Talia von Olhoffen, to Tyler Bilodeau, to Scott to Ruick, Wayne Tinkle. Happy birthday, Wayne Tinkle. Happy oh. birthday, Tink. Happy birthday, dude. Hope you. I hope. Go. I hope Wayne was able to have a few. Great birthday weekend. He deserves it. Yeah, more than anyone. Think- and also, cheers to you, James Naismith, for inventing basketball. Without whom, we wouldn't have gotten to have this awesome basketball weekend. Oh, and Thanks. it was awesome, man! Thanks, pal. Great Canadian, mm-hmm. Canadian forward, hero, James. Just a forward-thinking human being. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think and a Canadian just- actually invented pretty much every sport we play. Maybe besides really? baseball. I think Canadian invented American football. <laughs> I think they're credited. Yeah, <laughs> they they got they. Well, I think so- they own basketball and American football. Are they included in our concept of where Belize of America <laughs> is? talking about yeah. Belize. Dude, they're, uh, they're the, be- the better of the two well-known McAfee's lived in Belize. <laughs> and he is the better of the two McAfee's. And he murdered somebody. So, oh. you know. Oh, my God. We're hey, getting hauled by I'm the going, FCC no, right now before I'm we can publish this episode. Track. I'm getting back on track. Please, please yell it louder. It only makes me think like you're getting on track more the louder okay. it gets. So I asked ChatGPT, do beavers eat beet? You want the answer? It's not on track, but I love it. Yes, what's the answer? Beavers are primarily herbivores, duh, but their diet mainly consists of tree bark and cambium, the soft tissue that grows under the bark of trees. So essentially, they just eat wood all day, and they can actually nice. eat it. The part that I was a little bit surprised about was, 
I know they like to gnaw on wood, but I didn't realize that they actually ate it. Like I didn't either. digested it. Yeah. Uh, I they almost also said, eat... yeah. No, go ahead. What? <laughs> you almost said. I almost. I almost said. <laughs> I well, didn't want to get too controversial. Actually, eat trees, but they do. They do, according to yeah. ChatGPT, which is never wrong anymore. Yeah. They they also eat leaves, roots, and aquatic plants. While it's not typical for beavers to eat beets specifically. They might consume them if available, as beavers are known to adapt to their diet yeah. based if they're on just, available vegetation. If that's what's vegetation. at the farmer's market that day. Yeah, but beets are not a staple the of their natural diet. You said primarily herbivores. Yeah. What, what, what carnivorous <laughs> diet may they have? They eat fucking ducks, ducks bitch. Whoa! <laughs> I'm asking, I'm asking Chad see that made from a mile away, Benny. <laughs> oh, oh! I don't want it if, unless if ChatGP has the same answer that I just gave. Otherwise, I don't care. No, they don't. Uh, so, just it just on the football field. I don't know what ChatGP's pronouns. I don't think are. they don't eat the ducks. They just kill them and then leave them for dead to set an example. Yeah. Yeah. Toss like them in a dam. You come like in that, this dam. Like that poor man that was caught on camera being mauled by a beaver. Dude, that is crazy. Wasn't it? Were we? Oh, that I was like 10 that. years ago or something. Yeah. I have not seen this. What? Don't, there's a, a beaver killed a guy. On camera. On camera. He filmed, filmed him. He was he filming the it. beaver and then the beaver felt threatened and attacked him and eventually killed him. Yeah. It's fucked up. Don't fuck with beavers. The beaver's just like walking <laughs> like, you know, Horizontally through the frame. A lesson just... you can stand to learn, George Klyovkov. Am I right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, it just stops and, like, turns his head at him and, like, what are you looking at? And he's like, oh, yeah. whoa. And then it just, like, sprints at him. Whoa. And then it's over. Yeah. Ooh. There's just too many. Like, he he ended up bleeding out, right? Like, there's yeah. so many flesh wounds from... Like their teeth are like fucking razors. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Rough way yeah. to go. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry for the the family's yeah. loss. Yeah. What a what a great way to end the segment that's supposed to be dedicated to joy and cheersing and merriment. Uh, well, but take yeah. it, take for it how you will. I mean, if you see, if you beaver doing come across a beaver in the wild, maybe don't film it or do it from a safe distance. Yeah, you took photos of it next to the year, like beer and yoga spot. I did, and I was scared, and I <laughs> tried to maintain a safe distance the entire time. Was that before or after you saw the video of the beaver killing somebody? It was after. after. It had to be after. Okay. Did you watch it? I've not seen yeah. it. No. <laughs> uh -oh. Has he watched it in the last 30 seconds when he yeah, delivered? It, it was from April 11, 2013. Oh. He has been to death by a beaver. Bitten to and, death. And all, and all he was trying to do was take its picture. Yeah, don't take pictures. Get, get off Instagram. It might kill you. Yeah, I bet a duck has gram. never killed somebody. Right. Definitely not. Anyway, the opposite of death his life and wow did legendary gill coliseum roar to life this past weekend how about that for a segue boys right nice let's like go it. four days in gill a 30 for 30 coming soon starting i i we kind of go 
men's basketball and then women's basketball or or vice versa when we talk hoops on the show we go to the hardwood for the hardwood segment i figured tonight we might as well go chronologically because this like was kind of a thing that i mean it cut off you, you can't script a better start than that men's basketball game against oh. arizona but i figured we'd talk Arizona game first, Colorado game second, Arizona State game third, and then Utah game fourth. And then we can kind of infuse the basketball discussion and go back and forth a little bit. Sure. With with teams. Um, it's, so, it's really, really climactic at the beginning of this story we're about to tell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and you have not <laughs> heard what happened yet. I rarely say this, but stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> and try and find the Oregon State Arizona full game video anywhere on YouTube or you'll if you never get find it. Now you'll probably never find it. But just no, because the only needs to show up is one highlight. No matter what you try to, that is true. Phrase your search as a highlight where a certain someone was maybe moving too slow. No, Bill Walton. The only thing that was moving slow is the inevitable death of the Conference of Champions. All right. <laughs> The sooner you realize this, the better. Anyways, Jordan Pope, ball in his hand, clock melting away, 80 to 80, nasty, beautiful, scintillating, amazing step back three as time expires right through the hoop to give the Beavers their first top 10 win, in a, their first just great win in a long time, yeah. for being real, but... Big upset win against number nine, Arizona. Shout out to the Peyton years. It is as good a time as any to remind you all that Oregon State has made an Elite Eight more recently than Arizona has. Trademark the Peyton years. Go listen to their podcast too. Yes. What a it. joyous week. What a, what, a, what a fun listen TPY is right now. Yeah, uh, no kidding. But fucking Pope just etching his name in Oregon State immortality with that shot, with that game. Pac-12 player of the week with a fucking boom. But yeah, just that night, I think we talked about this with Roberto last week. And I think we all believed it. Because really all we said was, this shit happens sometimes. Like, hey, you know how college basketball games can have crazy results? I think they might... March, March wildness, March, great, March, March madness. But... We, I don't even know if we we're just convincing ourselves, but God damn it. This win came at the right time at a time when I think the fan base needed it. We asked Roberto on the pod, like, why should we be, what, sh what can Beaver fans be excited about with this group? And he, he gave us a great answer. And then the team gave us an even better one on the court. Just a special, special night at Gil that kicked off. Hell of a weekend. Just, I know you guys are watching this game live. Fuck. Yeah. Have you have your hearts climbed down from how high they jumped <laughs> in, in in that second half? I mean, there's a couple things that are I, I just want to point out. It's like one of them we talked about, at least through our own text group, that uh, you know, okay, let's let's temper, you know, down the worry. The the road woes are continuing. That was a rough weekend. But there's a big opportunity against the Arizona schools. Who knows if they pull something off that turns everything around and can get these guys back on track for their confidence, their motivation, 
and it was almost one of those things. It was like they they have to kind of do it to save the season. They, I mean, that's yeah. that's how that's how big I think the game against Arizona and the shot by Jordan Pope really was. It 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 saved the season. It gave the season a, a beyond glimmer of hope. I think because of the fact that they didn't just overachieve in one game. These are again a young squad finding themselves, figuring out their roles, figuring out how to win. And this helped them and will and clearly propelled them to feel good about their game, feel good about their chances against any team. And like it, I, it, Arizona hasn't been, you know, stellar all year. They were still ranked in the top 10, but they did go out and, you know, win against Oregon the next, you know, two nights they later. Did. So, and let me just point, I'm just going to put my finger in their schedule and see what date I come to a random game against random. Oh, and look at that. On Thursday, November 23rd, they beat the then 21 ranked Michigan State Spartans by a score of 74 to 68. That is just a random game that I happen to point to here on the show live. And you can yep. point to a random game in Arizona schedule to build that resume if you'd like to. That's just a game that I randomly, totally coincidentally happened to find in that sorry for interrupting jp please continue <laughs> no no it's all good they also beat duke at duke they did yeah earlier this year same squad that another another game i could have brought up but again i randomly selected this game on november 23rd which happened to be against a school in east lansing michigan yep. but yes <laughs> yep. they did also beat duke they beat duke so don't feel too bad spartan fans no but feel a little bit bad yeah the uh so the shot, though, I think what made it so much more spectacular besides how important and impactful that victory was and how it all kind of came down to that final play was, I think, the excitement that it was a buzzer beater. We haven't had one of those that meant that much since Stevie Thompson was on the floor. Mm-hmm. And honestly, for most people who had to recall any sort of buzzer beater that, that left a lasting impression on them, it's going to be Stevie Thompson's one of his. Yeah. Well, really, only one of them. I think was at, at the buzzer, but it's going to be a Stevie Thompson game winner, and that was a while ago. It's been a long time since we've had yeah. something like that to celebrate. And they, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just I was so impressed with that game. Uh, I was I was really really excited to see how they continued to claw back in the second half that they didn't just give up and, and chalk it up to, well, they're the better team. They're ranked higher. They'd be better opponents. And like, this is just what it is. And that's what I think is really special about this team is they're not just accepting the status quo. I think that the faults that they have could be a variety of things. It could be maybe sloppy play. It could be an experience in youth. It could be coaching. You can chalk it up to all of the above if you want to at any given point. I mean, that's kind of the nature of the any program but what i really truly think is it's not that they aren't driven and it is it's so refreshing to watch a program for oregon state that clearly wants to win and will do what they can to win compared to some of the different teams that have come out after that elite eight run where it just didn't feel like anyone was really doing more than serving themselves and this is a clearly a very close knit team and a team 
that is driven to be successful as a unit and not as individuals. Yeah, I, I think this team is is a really interesting makeup for all the reasons that you said, JP. It it is a team that you can't really figure out where the baseline is because it feels like they've overachieved in a lot of areas, including Thursday night, and and they've underachieved the the week previous, right? And so I think what this team needs is that reassurance to know that they can not only win games, but that they have a true home court advantage. They're just a different team at home and that they can win big, close games against teams that are looked at as being superior to them. And I think all of that is really important with a young team. And, and to your point, I don't think that there's just a glimmering hope or a glimmer of hope. I think that games like this can be a, a turning point in a season. And I mean, we'll get into it later, but look at how we played Arizona State, right? Like we came out flying in that game. And yeah, I just, that shot, if if this season turns around, that shot is going to be a legendary shot within the Oregon State community. Yeah. And, um, like it needs a mural outside of Gil already. <laughs> yeah, I, I was watching this replay or a video of the shot. It was it was shot by a, a camera phone in the student section. And when he put the ball up, it was just dead silent at Gil. And it seemed like it took forever for that ball to hit the bottom of the net. But it's just one of those shots that like you see in the movies, right? Where it was the jab step pullback it was all just perfect yeah. um story like felt slow motion it felt slow motion and i don't know like you see those shots in march madness right like yeah. you're just like those are so crazy like something like that is never ever gonna happen to a team that i've watched and that was as close as i can remember to something not just a buzzer beater but a buzzer beater in the way that it was done the fact that it was done against a top 10 team at gill like it was just yeah it was it was storybook for sure you got the feeling with the way the crowd reacted to that this was maybe this team's last shot this year not necessarily like you can certainly come back from a loss to a top 10 team like that's there's no shame in that but right. I was impressed with how big the crowd was, like yeah. how engaged the crowd was throughout. And I think if you show up to Gill and you lay an egg against Arizona or something, like I, I think that was maybe your last chance to keep the crowd in it for like the long term. Yeah. And that was a sort of like Beaver Nation being like, hey, we're still here. We still we still <laughs> we still believe last weekend, let's just flush it and forget. And they really rose to the occasion and took advantage of that belief. And it created a beautiful moment because, I mean, so many of these things, like what this means for the 2024 Beaver men's basketball team, we don't know. But it still creates something that, like, people will look back on and be proud of and be be happy to talk about. And that's not nothing. I'm not trying to say all is forgotten and we're a basketball school now. But that's not nothing. And I think for you know, people who hop on Twitter after every single loss and say Pope is for sure gone, like we have to burn it all down. Like who cares what Tinkle's buyout is? Like I, this can be a building block. And I'm not convinced that 
he won't stay and try to, you know, make make the most of this. It was amazing. Anything on anything else on Thursday night specifically before we continue to work our way through the amazing happenings of the weekend? Yeah, I'd say just real quick. I think this was the uh, second highest, at least official attendance number of the season. Uh, nice. Only only giving away to the game against SC, which I think yeah. had you know, that uh, you know slight uh, hint of celebrity associated with right. it, given Bronny James being in town. So, yeah, I mean, after a tough weekend, and we won to, that uh, game too. So, yeah, look, look what show happened. up, show up, yeah. show up, show out. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll figure out the road stuff soon. We we got two road games in LA this weekend and two winnable road games. Two winnable, very <laughs> winnable. This whole conference slate is winnable. Let's be real, and let's win all of them for this one last trip through the conference of champions. Bill Walton, <laughs> oh, God, let's get Bill Walton on the pod. Did you guys see that story? No, I oh. saw that there was a story, but I didn't read it. Terry, did you see it? I have, I have not read it yet. The big the big red story that that he had a flat tire. Bill Watt had a flat tire trying to uh, get from Corvallis to PDX, and so instead of on calling, his bike or his car, on his car, yeah. Bill Walton would bike from Corvallis to Portland though. Yeah, he <laughs> would. That's not anything. He would. That's crazy. Yeah, so you check out Dashiell's article about it. It's it's awesome. I've been meaning to just, read that, but I haven't gotten is, to it yet. It is really just like a. It's just a nice, fun story when most of college sports like takes itself way too seriously at this point. Up to have something like that written up about, you know, after the game that was clearly an exciting ending and a, and a massive victory for the for the team for the season. But yeah, he had a flat tire. So it's in total Bill Walton move instead of calling, you know, the car rental company or his car insurance company or roadside assistance he calls oregon state's like athletic department and they're trying to figure out how to like help him out or get him up to portland and finally like one of the staffers is like i'll just drive you like might as well like we're already running late i'll just take you so he got to sit in a car with bill Wallen from corvallis to pdx and just like them in the car together for two hours chatting it up which would be just the most That'd incredible so experience. Yeah. That would be so fun. <laughs> Dude, I love Bill Walton. Yeah. I, he is one of my all-time favorite. Uh, he might be my favorite, like, commentator. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think, think he is. doesn't take himself too seriously. It's just, no. it's just a, it's a, nice, a lot of fun. It's a nice reprieve from, yeah, what's become kind of like a, almost militarized in a sense, like, yeah. matchups between teams with like everything on a lie and everything is so important and every play is so critical. And then Bill's just sitting there. And then you have to stories about the rivers and how they flow and the fish in the rivers and the animals along the shores. (laughs) Ranking Thanksgiving sides during feast week when he does like six straight games at the Maui invitation. (laughs) I pick strawberries with Jerry Garcia in strawberry Canyon. (laughs) (laughs) And when I was there, Mike Riley came down and said, we never lose in Strawberry Canyon. And I said, you get him, Mike. <laughs> Again, but la- last bit on Thursday, but maybe just in general on, on men's news, so we can talk, of course, about the well, there's the state game. But, we're going Thursday, uh, Friday, Saturday. Sunday. I know, I know, we're, I know. But, or something. Yeah, I was peeing. But the, but the Beavs have not lost. Men's basketball has not lost 
this season at Gill when more than 3,500 show up and support the team. So if on, they guys. lose and you're not there, it is your fault. If you want to get on Twitter and complain, you ask said if it, you're not at me. the game. And if the answer is no, then it's your fault. Yeah. I, I, I'll buy into that. <laughs> you're not allowed yeah. to complain unless you're at the game. Yep. Great. That We should put that on a rally towel or something. Um, <laughs> Arizona, great win against a good team. Arizona. Shout out to JP's brother-in-law. Suck it. <laughs> oh, that was on his birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Matty. <laughs> yeah. I had a happy birthday with the question mark and a shrug emoji after that <laughs> one went through. Yeah. Oh, well, awesome. you know what? Really, he had, really. He had to raid back hands. <laughs> really, t- I mean, really a tough stretch because as as I'm sure he is aware, and it is as good a time as as any to remind not only your brother-in-law, but also everyone that Oregon State has made an Elite Eight more recently than Arizona has. So you'd think maybe we'd let the Arizona Wildcat basketball program just have one on Thursday night, but nope. Got uh, gotta keep it charity place. here. Number nine ranked team in the country. But you know what's a better ranking than number nine? What? There's there's the eight options here, but specifically number Divided three. Divided by three. Which is Ooh. what the Colorado Buffaloes women's basketball Matt. team it's and science. their fantastic point guard, Jalen Sherrod, who will probably be an All-American this year. And she is a fun, exciting player, but did foul out. And much of that was because due to, this is just where I want to start this game with, I'd say being outplayed by a fresh, true freshman from Medford, Donovan Hunter, who we have been high on on this podcast for a long time, and now I think the whole basketball world is high on. Hunter, career high, 16 points, most of them in the first half, and then her shot kind of went cold. But even when her shot went cold, just provided so much pace, so much energy, is such an orchestrator. The ball never gets stuck anywhere when she's on the court. Yeah, was, yeah her poise and, as a freshman is like, I mean, honestly, I don't think we saw that since Talia came in as a freshman and, well, as an early enrollee and right. somehow, like, looked like a veteran on the court. And that's what Donovan does as well. Right. And I think the biggest encouraging sign in this game specifically like we've won games on like powered by reagan and tamia before obviously and you know talia has absolutely done her thing but we really dictated the tempo in the backcourt like i think Anne chat said it perfectly like it's normally oregon state's bigs that are doing the heavy lifting in this game it's the littles not that any of those players are that little but I think Talia, Donovan, and then AJ Marat for sure. Marat, I, I want to give a special shout out to you because in the first quarter when we were down 18 to nine, it kind of looked like it was going to be that kind of game where just the number three team's going to not coast, but like have that sort of six to 10 point lead at all times. And when it was 18 to nine, we were just really looking for a bucket. And then AJ scored our last five points of the quarter, including a nice buzzer beater on a dope move down low with a corner three as well. And then at the end of the first quarter, we were down 20 to 14. It's not like we went on any kind of crazy run, but like that was a huge little moment there to maintain striking distance. And it was like, when we need a big bucket, 
you know, AJ was there all night. And for if this whole backcourt gets going and is commensurate with the front court, like watch out because there's not a ton of offensive weaknesses then when the whole team is humming. And they certainly were on Friday night. Yeah, well, and I think the offense is is certainly worthwhile to look at, but the defense is, mm-hmm. I, I think, even more. I mean, holding Colorado to under forty percent shooting and uh, eighteen and maybe not field just... goals, their fewest field goals made in a single game this year. Right, and and yeah, I mean, we've talked about it on here before, but you win games in in the nitty gritty ways, and you win the 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 rebounding battle against the number three team you know that's that's a good way to to put a winning strategy together i mean i i think the the thing that sticks out to me is that this team is just fearless um and and they were not phased by top five team coming into gill they weren't phased by getting down early and to me that shows signs of a team well let me put it this way if a team's going to make a run in March, you want a team that's fearless and you want a team that has the grit that these girls do. I mean, I don't know how many people follow Talia on Twitter, but she show, uh, she backs it up with her game, but she shows how she feels. And, and it is a fearless sort of persona that she has that I think this team feeds off of as well. So I think th- this game shows us a lot more so outside of the game, though, of of just what this team is made of and and sort of what the future can hold for them. Yeah, and and to to add on about Talia, like it's not even just like what she posts publicly on Twitter, but it's there there's her like her leadership and her fierceness and her drive are permeating this team and it's created a culture. I think that it is it has created a culture for the program that they had kind of lost not to say that they had started kind of settling within their success, but there was definitely a little bit of a lull in the, having the same kind of drive that some of those earlier Ruick teams had, you know, making it to March Madness and Sweet 16 and Final Four. And I think she's bringing that back in a way, but she's also doing it in a really humble way. You know, I don't know if you guys saw the, the post-game presser afterwards where you know, she she made a point to talk about Hadley Blacklock, which we've yeah. talked about on the podcast. Who it was, was an awesome soundbite. Yeah, that was my favorite moment three. of the game for sure when Adley hit that. Yeah, and and again, I think anyone who watches the team knows that she is capable of doing that, and also again has the fierceness, has the belief, doesn't second guess herself, just launches if she needs to, if if timing's right, she takes smart shots. And kind of, I mean, it's funny in a way, I feel like Allie reminds me of Clay, just like zoned in. All I want to do is hit buckets. I just want to hit this three. The noise isn't going to phase me. The playing time or whatever is not going to phase me. Did I just sit for 10 minutes? I don't care. I'm fresh out the bench and I'm going to hit my, my first three when I get a look. And she could do that in points though, where Ruick is putting her into the game to make that kind of impact. Because he's clearly calling on her to come out and be like, I, we need you to, to come out there and and just not think about what you're doing and just shoot the threes that you're capable of taking. And and she's responding, and that was you know a big moment, and, and Talia recognized it. And I just think that that kind of attitude is from, from a leader is so important for this team 
I mean, this is this is a team that is so deep, that is so fearless, that has very few holes, that has somebody else that they can rely on at any given night if somebody's not, you know, up up to you know their their full potential for whatever reason that might be. That they're gonna be they're gonna be dangerous, dangerous come March. I mean, if you're st- if, there, still be no luck right. by rankings that don't matter. But that's fine. I don't. I don't want to be recognized until we're cutting nets. I I would like to be recognized, but I also want to cut nets. Uh, <laughs> I do love that Talia took the time in that presser to shout out Blacklock specifically, and like you're seeing her, like she's been a great leader forever, but just continue to keep going more and more in as leader all all the time. And you know, if this team if if they stay healthy, yeah, it's just there's so many weapons on the bench that can can heat up at any time. And just, yeah, like when Adley hit that three and like you heard you heard the sound, the sound of Gil reached a different level because it was like a big three second half, like the upset is getting closer to, but also like the type of player that Adley is and the type of energy she can galvanize from the team, from a fan base, from an arena sort of all came together in that like beautiful moment. She, she needed it, had been in a little bit of a shooting slump. Hunter had been in a little bit of a scoring slump herself too, but it's like, you know, that's what basketball is. It's a game of runs and you're going to break out of slumps and they just stayed with it. And the result was amazing. I was like, Almost just like after the fucking Arizona game on Thursday, I was just like, man, like I hope we didn't like use up all of our all of our good juju just for that. We've we've got three more big games coming up, and it was almost kind of like there there it doesn't always happen where like a men's basketball schedule and women's basketball schedule is like in conversation with another, and that both teams were out there really promoting this weekend. Shout out to the athletic department and doing everything they did for damn hunger and damn worth it this weekend as well. Great stuff as always. But it was like, let's launch the first missile on Thursday night. And it was like, the women's team saw that and was like, all right. Yeah, we got you. Yeah. (laughs) And then launched another one. And then it was like still two good teams. Like Arizona State, I think, was tied for first in in the men's standings on Saturday. And Utah was another ranked team with Alyssa Peely, who is like going to be a top 10 pick in the WNBA draft. We can get into those two games now as well, but it was just like, I mean, I felt like that was not even like asking for too much or whatever, but like that is like every everything you can dream of going into a weekend like that in just like the two days going into it. And then they backed up everything they put down in those in the Saturday and Sunday games as well. Just great shit. Benny, it looks like you really have a point you want to get off your chest. Well, I mean... I just have to say, like, in the Arizona State game, what's going to go sort of under the radar in this whole weekend that would have been a a headline in most other weekends was Tyler Bilodeau's absolutely monstrous dunk on yep. some poor, poor kid from Arizona State. That was... I was going to say, we have to talk about Tyler Bilodeau. Like, yeah. We absolutely have to. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, with with the Arizona State game and the Utah game, well, I, I, obviously the two 
the the upset on Thursday, I don't even know if I'd call Friday an upset with you know, just how how the teams I'm, how the talent on the teams. And after but, Sunday, Talia tweeted too, like at what point do we stop calling it an upset? Yeah. And right. I think that's a good question, Talia. I think maybe right now. Uh, <laughs> but but I think the response to that, right? The response to that that we saw on Saturday and Sunday was just as good for the teams, right? Maybe not for the viewers, but for the teams as what Thursday and Friday was wire to wire controlled wins against quality opponents. Do not just con. I mean, the men's team came out storming, <laughs> right. but the women's team came out on a totally different level. It yeah, was. I almost felt bad for him, and I never feel bad. I was like, Ugh. like, Dude, Jesus, yeah. So. That's where I say with with this men's team. We, let's focus on Arizona State. the The men's team, I I really think that that could be a turning moment. That Arizona last second shot could be a turning moment for this team because we saw what they did against Arizona State, who you mentioned is not a bad basketball team. They're a good basketball team that we just made look like. I mean, we made them look like they were not a they, they a high like they caliber basketball team. They look yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I that that game just speaks volumes to the team, the cohesiveness, to Tinkle and his coaching staff making sure that these kids' heads were in the were in the right mind. I mean, think about it this way: like these, the men's team has not gotten any recognition. <laughs> Definitely not nationally, and really not locally even. And so, there's one podcast that has, and it's not us, right? And yeah. and so you go, you uh, go TFUI from again. You go from playing games in kind of a half-empty gill, not hearing your name outside of Wayne Tinkle yelling it, like to all of a sudden being the number one play on ESPN, to ESPN having to talk about you because you just upset a top ten team. Like that is a recipe to get your head sort of inflated and your ego inflated as well and so that's why i say like what what happened to arizona state is i think almost better than upsetting arizona yeah i think it's more about just the yeah the the continuation of the momentum that was built yeah like not being like well who if we did that cool i'm exhausted let's just rest our laurels for the rest of the year in, in memoriam of that exciting game like we yeah. gave the fans, we gave the program, we gave our coach, we gave ourselves something to hang our hats on. We're good. I mean, it, especially turning around two days later to have to play a, a tough Arizona State team. Yeah. So to come out and to use the momentum as like leverage to 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 propel yourself to start off that game on like what a 15, 14, whatever point run, whatever it was, that in itself tells me that this team was just kind of looking for itself, looking for the confidence, looking for the belief. And we know they have this, this plenty of talent. They have their, that, that team could put something really special together. Yeah. At some point we've, we have witnessed turning points like this in the past with a Wayne Tinkle program. We have seen, him and the staff start to really understand rotations, assignments, matchups, play calling. 
and put the right players in the right positions to make a big difference when they're comfortable doing so. And I think that's been a big missing piece over the last few years that's now potentially coming to fruition. I still need to see some road wins. I need to see the road wins. Sure. I need to see them do this without the fans cheering them on. Because I get it. When you've got 4,000 people you know, have, feeling like they have your back and that they, they love you and want to see you do something incredible, you're going to want to show out. But what happens when you have the opposite? I, I don't know with this team yet, and that's my only hesitation to say that this could be a very fun march for the men's team. That, but they also haven't had the chance to turn the to go on the road since they've potentially turned this corner, which this weekend could have been. And I do th- I think the Arizona State game is impressive for all the things that you guys mentioned, but just like that yeah, upset since all that stuff happens in college basketball, but to come around within 48 hours be like no that's not a a one trick pony type thing watch us just run this quality team off the floor in like a less exciting not sports center top 10 kind of way although Tyler Bilodeau absolutely should have been the number one play I don't know if he was or not but so shouts to Jordan Pope who is the Jersey Mike's James Naismith player of the week award Uh, Jersey Mike and James Naismith two of my heroes Specifically, we mentioned Nate Smith earlier on the show. Uh, Jersey they, Mike, underrated sub. I think They're it's a great so sub. Good. It's maybe oh, my, so good. I think Jersey Mike's has maybe become my favorite like chain sub shop. Easily. I will never so, eat a chain sub shop sandwich. You guys are gross. What? Yeah. You, you grew up next can to you, one of the best you, delis in the world. Can, can you see me down yeah, here? I'll eat that. Can you see me down here in Mobile on your high horse, JP? All the way from Portland, get out of here! No. I only won't see Belize. Won't eat. Won't need a. Won't a chain sub shop. Fuck nope. off! I won't do it. Well, belligerent bees has officially gone bougie, corporate sellout. Fuckwad. Corporate. Sorry, sorry, you're listeners. Talking cor- you're talking about corporate sandwich chains. Not yeah, the 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 everyman's sandwich. Yeah, I'm talking about a sandwich that some Joe six pack of Joe Joe bag of donuts. I want I want to go to Kelly Sandwiches where it's a mom and pop shop. Mm, I want to go to Lorenzo's wow. that's got oh, the yeah. nice they got the the nice secret sauce on there and of course wow no one no one else has local mom and pop sandwich shops. That must have been such a privilege for you. No, wow, this but, this will get pretty. I'm we all have our favorite local me. sandwich shops. Benny Jersey Mike's fucks. You and I can oh, go to Jersey no. Mike's. I, I love Jersey local Mike. sandwich shout out, shout out oh, to Jordan so Pope. Good being Jersey Mike's and James Naismith player of the week for scoring 50 points in two games. Tyler Bilodeau, 40 points in those two games. I'm going to have a Jersey Mike sub every day of the week this week just to celebrate Jordan Pope being named the Jersey Mike's And then you should have 40 more. One for for each point scored by Tyler Bilodeau this last weekend. (laughs) I'd like to talk about Tyler Bilodeau. If we can please talk about Tyler Bilodeau now, please. We're talking about Tyler Bilodeau. We didn't All right. JP, make a shirt that says Tyler Tyler Bilodeau in a sandwich shop. <laughs> yeah. A local sandwich shop, though. Yeah. 
None of this chain nonsense. <laughs> Whatever. But Tyler Bilodeau emerging as a real number two threat on the offensive side of the ball for the Beavs, which is just, you know, what this team has been looking for yeah. for, for a while. We've had it in, in spurts from other players, but I think Bilodeau is really, really emerging as an absolute threat with the ball in his hands, attacking the basket, shooting the ball well, shooting free throws at a good clip. The emergence of Tyler Bilodeau unlocks another level with this team. And I'm not, I'm with you, JP, on this, where I'm not ready to be like, oh, get ready for a special march now. But at least with this two-game sample size, and we've seen it from Bilodeau in other games too, but if he reaches that level 80% of the time, we're almost playing with house money at that point because we haven't yeah. had that con- that level of contribution from that, you know, part of a, a supporting cast, you know, based in this, this two year, almost two years now of having Jordan Pope on the team. So that's I would something even say, though, that, that I hope Stevie didn't even really have that. Or even, even, even didn't have that. Right. I'd say that's probably accurate. There weren't a ton of players who would go for 20. Like Kalu was like the one who could pop and score 20 in a game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I'd probably I'd probably take Bilodeau's offensive game if I'm choosing between the two. So I think that's just that's something that would have been great if it emerged earlier, but it's it's emerging right now. And if it continues to emerge, I think we've really got something. Not saying that that's going to become like oh like a total run. We still have a lot of digging to do to get <laughs> into Joe Lenardi's bracketology. Uh, which doesn't matter, but does matter, but doesn't matter. And I'll be and thrilled we know to why, see what we Bilodeau know. Why to make it not matter? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but I'll be thrilled to see what Bilodeau does the rest of the season. Like that's that's a key cog that has has emerged here, and he's got a little swag to him, and he's more athletic than he's given credit for. And he, we mentioned it already, but he dunked the fuck out of the ball. <laughs> on that yeah. play against Arizona State. That was such a sweet dunk. You know why that was such a sweet dunk? dunk since GP2? Okay, really? so so Dexter's dunk was awesome, and it was sort of unexpected. I don't think that that... Who were we playing? Dexter's dunk? Yeah, it wasn't that was, that was a, that was a Stanford right. game. Yeah, Stanford, Stanford, that's right. Game. That dunk came a little unexpected like the player the Stanford player that was going up to block it I don't think was quite sure what was going on the Tyler Bilodeau dunk against Arizona State he looked at the Arizona State player from a three-point line and they both knew what was happening and Bilodeau just won that contest right there in a amazing fashion so yeah that was great that was just so that was like icing on the cake for, for the men's basketball team this weekend. And then the icing on the cake for the whole weekend came one day later when Oregon State women's basketball beat a tournament bound Utah team by roughly a thousand points. Not even just beat. <laughs> yeah. Just dismantled. Yeah. It was Absolutely over. Dismantled. It was over when it tipped. Another a dub for Reagan Beers. Donovan Hunter's career high of 16 points stood for all of 48 hours because she got 17 on Sunday. 
<laughs> double double for Tamia Gardner off the bench. Big weekend all around. Huge also for Beers, who was named to the Lisa Leslie Award top 10 on Thursday before it started, which essentially says she's a top 10 center in the country, which duh. Yeah. Um, but still great to get the honor. And she's only one of two, one of two underclassmen who are on the list. The rest are mostly WNBA bound seniors. So she's playing at a pretty high level. And when you start getting named for awards or like named on the watch list for awards named after Lisa Leslie, you're doing something right. Uh, probably really, really, really right. And just so congrats to Reagan. I, I know the two wins being a hell of a lot more to her than being uh, named to the list. But like we said at the top, you can have it all. We can yeah. have it all. You deserve yeah. it all. And you deserve it all, Reagan. And we're happy uh, <laughs> happy to see you get that honor among the best centers in the land. And especially, especially happy to get that sweep of Colorado and Utah, the mountain schools at Gill this weekend. Another note, stat note on the men, it was the first weekend sweep in three years and the first weekend sweep of the Arizona schools since 2015. Yeah. Nice. So that's fun. Also, also, nice oh, I want to hear JP stat. Wait. Oh, oh, yeah. JP, JP, was in his, JP was in his bag preparing. Yeah. Preparing is the, I, was, I like pre I like preparing. Preparing. I was hello preparing for this, <laughs> but the, the first one is of course we have to acknowledge that uh, that women's hoops against Utah shot sixty nine point four two zero percent from the field. Nice, <laughs> so nice. Yeah, they round up in the real world it was 69.4 but i i dug deep and it was 69.420% <laughs> so shout out to the ladies that game against utah that was yeah absolute dominance i i think that the last time that that uh, would it have set a record if they were above 70 i'm glad they didn't yeah they so, they they this missed is way their last like yeah. four shots or something <laughs> yeah. they would have set a record I don't think we scored for the last, like, I don't know, five they minutes. They were like, wait, uh, how many shots do we need to miss to get the coolest shooting percentage of all time? Uh, <laughs> six? All right, miss six straight. <laughs> but we we were, it was like, I don't know, in the first third of the first quarter was the last time that the score was tied for that game. And then we just went on an absolute blitz tear. And then didn't score for the last like five and a half minutes of the game. So it was clearly just a dominant, dominant performance across the board from whistle to whistle and worthy of ending the game with a 69.420 field goal percentage. So well done, ladies. I, I, had, I wanted to address this. Well done. We're so proud. We could yes. not be more proud. Yeah. <laughs> of, all the, of all your accomplishments this weekend, <laughs> that one was number one. Ding. Hang the banner with the percentage <laughs> to the third decimal power on the banner. <laughs> so this is a little bit more general, but still on topic. And this, is, this question has been posed on social media, and I never found an answer. And then it's hilariously, Benny said he looked for an answer, but gave up relatively quickly. His attention span did not allow him to look beyond this this last weekend and so he when was it 
he was very curious about the so-called best double weekend ever at Gill Coliseum. And everyone has their own, you know, objective opinions. Like, well, I was, you know, there when they did this or this and broke this streak or beat this team finally or whatever. But I wanted to look at it factually and, and be able to measure the best weekend ever at Gill Coliseum for men's and women's This is men's and women's hoops. Okay. Important qualifier. There is a, there is an asterisk on ever because unfortunately the record books anywhere on the internet it was a challenge to get any sort of game by game statistics prior to, yeah. to 2002 they don't like making that easy to find i was able to find statistics back to 1998 so i will still take that there's still of course I don't know, at least a decade of crossover of men's and women's hoops to Oregon State that is unaccounted for in this measurement. But I can't envision still that any of these have much to hold, especially of the what is the greatest weekend ever to any that happened prior to 1998. But there's a uh, statistic, if you look at basketball reference, there's a statistic that they use to measure, you know, how strong the opponent is that the team faced that day. It's called SRS. It's a simple rating system or whatever. Essentially a zero is that the team that they're facing would be an average team. And anything positive is how many points that their opponent would beat an average team by. Right. They don't count, of course, for non-Division One games when given this rating. And to clarify a little further, basketball ref says that uh, they take into account, you know, the average point differential and strength of schedule when making this rating. So I went back and manually hold every... every... I love manually looking stats up, FYI. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's was... cathartic. There was a lot of copying and pasting into a Google sheet, but it was find every single game that the men's and women's team have played since 1998. And I filtered down to home games and not just home teams, but home at Gill. Yep. <laughs> and I filtered out to, I grouped every, every matchup date into a, a week of the year number and was able to say, right. like, if there are X amount of Ws... Oh, and wins and losses. They removed the losses. So, give me all the wins and, you know... And the, the, the chronological number, order, essentially. Yeah. And so, I'd be like... And the you know, SRS week, score. Week 52, or week 50 of 1999, you know, it was like, what, the like, December 18th of 1999. Right. And, I, and I said, tell, tell me when there's three or more times that there had been a three victories at home in the same week number. And the week, just so a clarification, runs from Monday through Sunday because the women's team... This is why Benny week. had to quit on this earlier because even if it was like three weeks ago, all of this data is just too much. It is a lot of data. It is a <laughs> lot of data. But looking at SRS, I looked at a couple of these. SRS, average rank of opponent and point differential... 
though of course differential is incorporated into SRS, so it's not that critical or important. But I, but to confirm what everyone has been wondering, men's and women's hoops have swept weekends at Gill before. It's not uncommon. They have done it six times since 1998. And that's also considered they don't always play at home at the same weekend. Right. But they have swept at Gill six times since 1998 and, and 2008 and 2011 twice, 2022. These are the season years, right? Yeah. Um, and but they also are the year of the same year. And then 2023, twice season. So the other time we swept four teams at home this season, Benny, was Who? pretty much the first few weeks of this season. I when... said Pac-12. I said Pac-12. No, you Did didn't. You, uh, you may not. I think you meant Pac-12, but I don't know that you said Pac-12. All right. But anyway, saying, who did who did wait? So what what weekend was that this season, JP? So they had it was against the women's team had a game against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yeah. And that was a Monday. And then there's a double header against Linfield right. for the men's. And then the men's team played on Friday against Troy. Right. And then on Sunday, the women's team played and beat Villanova. Okay. That's Monday so, to Sunday, though. That's not f- four straight days, which I know wasn't necessarily part of the prompt, but... Well, yeah, because that's impossible to find. I mean, that's clearly never happened. Sure. But I'm looking at... In the same, in the same scheduled week, four wins, yes. four home games. Has it happened? Yes, it has. It's happened six times, most recently in early this, November li- Literally this basketball season. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I understand why it went under the radar. The average... <laughs> the, the average no, that S- Linfield. What's the SRS yeah. on that Linfield game? <laughs> yes. So the the there was no SRS on the Linfield game, of course, because they are not Division One. Um, right. The only opponent that had an SRS above one was Villanova, and it was almost sixteen. So essentially, Villanova would beat the average right. team by sixteen at that point in this season. What about um, some of the twenty? 20- so against, 2022 or... was again in November. Right. The thing here is there has not been a conference stretch of four games in the same week at all where men's and women's have won since 1998 at the earliest. So, so that hasn't happened at least in that the is... last 26 years. Yeah. That's uh, that's two... that's important to keep in mind. Yeah. yeah. 2002 was a, pretty much the same time frame, early November. The women's team played Hawaii. They beat Hawaii. Then the men's played Tulsa. We beat Tulsa. Women's team played Seattle. We beat Seattle. And then the Good. men, the men played oh. uh, Florida A and M. All of Benny but, and I's favorite cities. But but the combined, the combined SRS of that weekend was minus thirty six. What? What was the combined SRS of this weekend? The combined SRS of this weekend, 93.59. Let's Jesus, go. wow. <laughs> yeah. That's way higher than I would have guessed. Yeah. Is, now, is, now Colorado, is, Colorado, is Colorado women's the highest SRS? They have to be, right? Utah 
was actually the highest SRS. Utah, wow. Okay. Yeah. They have been playing really well. So Utah's SRS was 32.87. Arizona State for the men's game was 6.07. Colorado's 28.57. And then Arizona was 26.08. So really, the women's victories were a, a lot more impressive when it comes to the quality of opponent. Of course, they were both ranked and right. understood. But by a lot more than I had actually envisioned, given I know there was there's been a lot of kind of shuffle amongst the top twenty five in women's hoops lately. So like maybe this is just all, you know, posturing from preseason stuff that's kind of carrying through, and some teams are just starting to fall out. But they didn't uh, or, give Colorado a shit before the season started, right? Yeah. So, so they the women's team beat a combined 61.4 SRS. The men's team beat a combined 32.15. But if you break it into an average, it's still, by averaging out all four games, the average SRS right. is 23.4. Still the best four-game stretch at Gill ever for non-conference or conference and definitely the only four-game stretch at a conference ever right. is in 1998. Uh, Since 1998, because we don't have all of that number for pre-1998. Yes. So looking though at, I got it. This is where I found a little caveat for the best weekend ever or best week ever, I guess, at Gill. And this is kind of combining men's and women's hoops, but men's is involved in this one. So shout out to our, <laughs> shout out to our ladies. Shout out to the 2018, 2019 Beavs women's basketball. They were good. In February, from February 18th to February 24th, they played three games at Gill. That was a seven-day stretch. Opened against number two, Oregon, who they beat by five. Mm-hmm. Then they That was came the last top five win at Gill until this came, past Friday. Yes, then they came back around and beat an unranked but still quality opponent in SC. And two days later, beat another unranked but even more quality opponent in UCLA. So if you combine their SRS rating and you divide it by three, we love numbers. Numbers are beautiful. We do love numbers. That actually gives that weekend an average SRS of 25.89. Better than the teams and beat in, in victories of the teams that they beat this weekend. So, in my mind, the greatest weekend or the greatest week of basketball Gil Coliseum since 1998 is owned by women's hoops for um, the 2019-2020 season. Were there but, any men's home losses that interrupted that week? Or were they on the road? Good question. I don't think that they were home. I don't think they were home. So they must because if they were and they lost, then it kind of takes a little bit of the magic of Gill away. But if they weren't, then you're Let's probably look. right. Or at least you have numbers that back it up. So yeah. But I think it's you know the original question was weekend and consecutive days. And god damn it, we all should have been there <laughs> for all four. Yeah, no. Yeah. When you first said caveat, I thought you were gonna be like 
unless I bring the Oregon State gymnastics team into it. I, we, yeah, I was just waiting. <laughs> I was just waiting for gymnastics to be like. And then Maddie Dagan did this on the floor, and it was the greatest <laughs> thing that ever happened at Kill Coliseum. The the men's team was on the road during that time, by the way. They Perfect. were on a on an Arizona tour. Oh, thank God. Oh, how'd they fare? No, Not I actually, never mind. I don't want no, to. This is a positive well, we, episode, yeah, Benny. We have, like in the last twenty five years, we haven't won in Tempe, so that we already told you how that came. What, dude? So. It's is it crazy to you guys like beating a top fifteen team at, at all is, I mean, should be looked at with not amazement, but is it's a it's a good win. The fact that you beat them ninety one to sixty six, incredible. Yeah, but that score doesn't really justify how that game went. No, it was right? worse. Like it was like it was wi- we were wider. G- going into the fourth. Oregon State was up seventy-eight to forty-two. That's so crazy. <laughs> That's so crazy. That Utah was number fifteen in the country. That's like a well sixteen. A- That's like Josh and Seth Tarver's AAU basketball team playing my Selwood scrub basketball team that they won 91 <laughs> to 14 my eighth grade year this wow. is like we that to unpack that game on like a special episode of the belligerent peace podcast we could get seth and josh on to talk about it they probably remember maybe i don't know if i want to i don't know if i'm ready to talk about it yet hey it's it's a form of therapy benny come on let's late last note though i gotta say this one i gotta shout this one out this is on uh for the traditionalists that don't believe in SRS and they want to hang their hats on the best weekend ever at Gil Coliseum. who just found out what SRS is and still don't believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I got one for you. Point differential, right? Everyone loves a good point differential. And mm-hmm. the and since 1998, the, the largest margin of victory averaged out over the course of a given sports week for basketball, men's and women's at Gill Coliseum in in victory was uh in two thousand when the women's team closed it out by beating University of Wyoming and they beat them by seventeen points. Before that they played Princeton the day Nerds. before that. Yeah. And they beat them by thirty six points. Nerds. Nice. And then the men's team, the 2000s men's team had some dudes, and they beat, well, maybe not want to put a feather in your cap for, but they beat Southern Colorado, who is now Colorado State University Pueblo. Pueblo. I've been, I've been to Pueblo. So they, they were so embarrassed. They had to change the name of their school after this <laughs> because the Oregon State men's team beat them on November 20th, 2000, 91 to 23. Wow. <laughs> Which at that point, I don't it might still be a school record for point differential Scott for men's man. basketball, 68 points. Just one shy of the most amazing, oh. incredible, beautiful number. Whoever missed a fucking free throw in that <laughs> game, god damn it! 
<laughs> but poor Southern Colorado had nine points at halftime. Oh my god! I, oh. I mean, at least they adjusted in the second half and got fourteen. <laughs> wow, nice. So Gil Coliseum, uh, it's a fortress. It's a fortress. It is a fortress. That was, a, you know, we we just gave the four days at Gil, four nights and four nights at Gil, the attention it deserved. Congrats again to Oregon State men's basketball, Oregon State women's basketball, and both teams. You had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. To quote Django Unchained. Um, women's team up to 18 in the AP poll. Boo. Up to 14 in more important polls. Rankings are dumb, but we care, but we don't care, but we do, but we don't. But we're going to start seeing this team on national TV more, and then hopefully, man, I'm just saying this. Here are things that are facts. If you are a one seed through four seed in the women's basketball tournament, you host rounds one and two. Right? That's just a fact. I'm just saying that that's part of the rules. Half of the women's Sweet 16 and Elite 8 bracket this year will be at the Moda Center yes. in Portland. Ah. I'll repeat that. Half of the Sweet 16 Elite 8 bracket at the women's basketball tournament this year will be in Portland, Oregon. The other half is going to be in Albany. New York, Oregon. <laughs> It'd be hilarious if it was in Albany, Oregon. And if there's a a certain team from the Paris of the Pacific Northwest in the field, and they get detoured to the Albany, you know side that's of the happening. Field. Let's be biased. Fuck that, too. so mad. But I'm just saying that. So let's, as far as as rankings go, I want to wipe my ass with the polls as much as you do, JP. But I also want to see this team get in that that top that four seed range for the powers that be so that there can be NCAA tournament games at legendary Gil Coliseum this year. Cause I think this team yeah. deserves it and it'd be sweet. I'll take that. Yep. I saw them in, there was a bracketology that was released before this weekend's games <clears throat> that had them at a six seed. So, I mean, the two is if you're going strictly, with you. yeah, if you're going strictly by AP, you're you're a few spots out, but you'd have to imagine beating two top fifteen teams and beating Utah the way that we did. Yeah, and let's beat the shit out of Oregon this weekend. That's who's yeah. coming up next. Yeah, yeah, uh, that may not do a lot for net rating. Yeah, they suck. Oregon would do a lot for our net rating. <laughs> It'll make me happy. It'll make Absolutely. me happy too. <laughs> Well, we have been talking about basketball for kind of a while. We do no, need wait. To... We do need to. Well, Terry, hit the ad. Hit the ad. I've already had such a stressful night on this show. <laughs> Terry, <laughs> hit the ad. This episode of the Belligerent Beeves podcast has been brought to you by the Delta Jersey employee Mike who destroyed my microphone on purpose while en route to from Minneapolis, somewhere between Minneapolis and Mobile, Alabama. So Yeti Blue Microphones making their debut. <laughs> Find them in the microphone aisle at the Mobile Best Buy and probably other Best Buys too. Also a new sponsor. Only talk about the one that we went to about four hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it is now after midnight central time. So if I'm supposed to do anything else with this bizarre hit the ad campaign that I'm weirdly a part of, I don't have the energy for it anymore. No. Um, I also but, don't have the energy to do more than one more segment. So yeah. I'm going to throw it to baseball and maybe we can let that be that. And then we can talk a lot of football next week because there'll be more draft buzz after the East West game and after the oh, senior bowl. Yeah. And You'll we can, have more draft buzz. I'll for, I'll for sure have draft. I'll have some, you know, this week, you know, catch me on, on the dive on, on cream which is terryhorseman.substack.com and if you are interested at all in the the vikings lens of which i'll be viewing the draft you can find me on the purple insider podcast and writing for the purple insider substack this week while i'm here in mobile but there'll be lots of oregon state storylines as well and just a little teaser i think of all of the draft prospects currently in mobile alabama our own talise fuaga might be the highest drafted that is a tease to tune in to Senior Bowl practices all week on NFL Network. I will be joining Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks on NFL Network at 5 a.m. Just kidding. That's not happening. That's a dream come true. But I'll be down here. Hit me for up. Them. For them. It would be a dream come true for them. They've long tried to get me in the show. Baseball, the diamond. Let's talk. We got to talk baseball. This all was right. an expected move. But now that it's official, I think it's worth talking about and thinking about and maybe gazing towards the future a little bit. We're obviously gazing towards the future for this year, this 2024 baseball and softball season. Of course, Oregon State baseball, I think, got another honor. Someone ranked it. Like they keep, every time I see yeah. a preseason poll, it's like they're ranked nine, they're ranked seven, they're ranked five. Baseball I think America, one, I think. Baseball America called them five. Five. Yeah. So, I called them one. I call them one, two rankings don't matter. We don't care, but we do care, but we don't. Anyway, more accolades for this year's baseball team. It's going to be a fun year. We're very excited. Next year also could be a fun year. Oregon State Baseball is officially playing 2025 as an independent. They had a deadline to let the West Coast Conference know if they would be joining them for the sport of baseball. They informed them that they will not be and will be building their own schedule as an independent baseball program for as much at least the 2025 season. This seemed to be kind of, you know, written in the wind a little bit, like seemed to be the way we thought this was going to go. Now that it's here, I think we're kind of unanimous among Beaver Nation and that it's the right thing to do. If there's any program that I think can lean on the weight that it's built, of being an independent, I think baseball is the one that certainly can do it. It's got a chance to put a pretty fun schedule together. I don't, I think, you know, there probably is a happy medium of just scheduling a gauntlet <laughs> and, you know, making sure you're still like putting yourself in, in the, in the best situation to get a record, to get, you know, a, a top seed in the, NCAA tournament, but it's here. We're an independent. What is some of your guys' like initial reactions? What excites you about being an independent in baseball in 2025? I think just ba to your point, baseball is the sport that I'm least worried about being an independent in, and not just because Oregon State's success historically but if you look at 
say the teams that are going to the the Big Ten in football, they might, you know, stick their nose up and put their pinky out to us. But in baseball, they they need to play us to to boost up their resume if they are serious about wanting to play in Omaha. The the Big Ten is not notorious for having good baseball programs. So I th- you're going to have a lot of flexibility, right? You're going to be able to get a lot of West Coast games. I've seen people talking about how it's going to be an SEC gauntlet. I don't think that's the case. I think you'll have a lot I, of I West think Coast a, a few SECs thrown in there, but... Yeah, I think, yeah, which to your point, we'll make it fun. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think you'll have series definitely against Oregon, definitely against Washington, probably against SC or UCLA. You'll have them against Arizona, Arizona state, I think. And then there are some fun schools out in the big 12 too. I think getting a matchup, a series with Texas would be cool. They're in the Um, SEC. Well, not for, Oh, I guess for baseball next next year, next year. Yeah. 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 And I think it's going to be fun. Right. I I, I really do. There's just so much you can do. You're not going to call up a school and have them not take you seriously. If you're, they can get anyone on the phone that they want to exactly to like try and set something up. And I think these big programs across the country, like they have something to gain by coming to Corvallis for this. Yeah. Yeah. In, In a way that is not as quantifiable when you're talking about a home and home football thing. Right. Right. You yeah. mean that they have something to gain in terms of like, well, like, like L- LS- LSU coming to Corvette, like, cause these teams are, they want to have the best possible resume when there's hitting the end yep. of the year as well. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like we would have any reason to like fear it or whatever, but like, I know LSU would try and get us to come down there. Probably LSU is just the one popping in my head. Cause we've had battles with them in Omaha <laughs> in Baton Rouge a lot. Yeah. Um, it would, I think, LSU like they'd pro- they'd talk probably in circles about money or whatever. But I don't believe LSU has come to Corvallis recently, and that would just be a, that would be great for college baseball, uh, just for like to drive interest. But then also you're trying to put your best possible resume together and get good games, especially like maybe earlier in the season when conference schedules maybe haven't started like I think there'll be more interest in coming to court and especially just with baseball travel because it's a series because you play three games it's not the same as coming to Corvallis and like getting your whole football team lodging in like McMinnville (laughs) to then bust Teresa and play one game you know it's not the same kind of ask it's not the same kind of logistics and I think it would be early in the season I don't know because of weather but yeah, I, I I think all those, I think LSU, Tennessee, Notre Dame, Texas, like all those schools that, you know, we butt heads with in Omaha. I think we were going to play Arkansas in the regular season this year. First game since that 2018 series. Is that, that's it, in Corvallis, right? No, it's a tournament that is. Oh, uh, down in Surprise. It's not in Surprise. It's the one after that. In some so warm Texas? weather spot. But like. We should do that one year. We should we should go down to surprise and just catch some games. Absolutely. We'll see how long those keep you know, happening. <laughs> uh, I'm not surprised, sir. But like, I, I just think like, yeah, it, it's it's. I think it'll be cool for the sport, cool for Oregon State. 
not ideal because we want to be in a conference, but I think a, a very fun, unique baseball season will come from all this madness. It will I, be fun. I won't be surprised if, speaking of surprised, or I guess surprise, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if baseball is dipping its toes into a semi-permanent independent play. And the reason I say that is twofold. We have what we've talked about, the historical weight to carry ourselves. We have the current success and trajectory to to leave no one to believe that anything will change any time soon because the conference issues don't matter in college baseball because the most important thing is RPI. It's about your opponents. If anything, your conference hurts you. If you can't make your own schedule, your conference can hurt you because if your quality of opponent isn't good or the rest of your conference is getting smacked around by you and they're not doing anything else out of conference then your conference victories look like nothing. So teams will look in Oregon State because they know we're going to build a schedule that will serve our RPI because we know we can compete on the same level as any of those teams. Yeah. And they're going to want a part of that because even if they lose and our strength of schedule is high, it helps their RPI and vice versa. So going to LSU, sure, let's mutually benefit each other. We'll go there this time around. Next time we need you, you come to us. Because no matter who loses, if both teams are playing elite competition, it helps boost the resume, it helps boost RPI, and they're much more likely to get in to the tournament than playing in the WCC. So go ahead, go ahead. Next year in surprise, is this going to be us and the three other teams that make it to the national semifinals of the College World Series? Like, it's just going to be a a sick schedule with banger after banger after banger. Yeah. Because, and and I think the reason why we have this flexibility is because TV money matters almost nil in college baseball, to be honest. The money comes from Omaha. Yeah, it's just all about right. the game. Yeah. So it's all about get, the game. You get to Omaha, that's where the donations start pouring in. That's where the program starts to for the jello shots start pouring in too. Yeah. Unless you're Stanford. That's, Unless you're Stanford. Yeah. Stanford's not invited to our schedule party. No. It's also <laughs> where the new scoreboards come in. It's where the new buildings come in. It's where the recruiting aspects come in. I mean, getting to Omaha is the most important factor in college baseball. It is not about TV exposure. It is not about TV revenue which is exactly why Mitch Canham has come out and been completely unfazed by, I mean, he, he acts like there isn't any conference realignment happening at all. And he acknowledges it he because he's asked focused. about it. Yeah. And and I don't think it matters to him, and it hasn't seemed to matter to any of the baseball players, at least baseball players especially that I've spoken with about it. It just seems like they just want to know who they're going to play. Yeah. And now we have we have control of that. And I honestly think is what I led with. This could be a precursor. This could be a precursor to Oregon State baseball continuing to build an independent schedule no matter what conference the school ends up in. 
Let the players decide. It's a fantasy style draft where they're just drafting <laughs> opponents who to play. Like there's this big board with all of the dates of the season, and it's like fuck LSU April first. Let's fucking go get it. Florida April eighth. Come on, like just make a fantasy draft out of it. It's gonna be fun. It's like, gonna look, like this is the we had one Joey like Wong on our spaces. What for the uh, Belligerents? Yeah, we celebrate so Joey Wong. We asked him about this. Like what? What's it? What are you guys considering? You know, like uh, how do the players feel about it? And he's pretty much said like, "We'll have something soon. We'll tell. We'll tell everyone yeah. something soon." But he also shot down my question about: Is anyone worried about intercontinental travel? And he, he said, said, "We no. want to play." He said, "No, we want to play the best competition available." And you don't get that in a conference. You're constrained. And I think that that was a that is that was at the time like cool get what you can right like yeah. not cool schedule the best do your right. do your thing to make your season look the best and other schools are going to want you on their schedule and again it doesn't have to be pre-conference play there's there's intermixed non-conference series all the way through the season all the time yeah yeah i i, I think you're 100 percent right that the only move going forward is a completely independent schedule because what are your other options right like join the west coast conference or join the mountain west conference or i mean the only thing that would even remotely make sense would be to join the big 12 for baseball but that that doesn't we wouldn't that do seems that pretty far-fetched we didn't, yeah like it, i like still don't think the only do option that's I a th- lateral yeah, exactly. move. It's a lateral right. move for us in baseball at, a, at, a, and it does, at best. Yeah, yeah. it'd be like, yeah. if you want us for baseball, put us in the goddamn conference. Like, that's yeah, would be the counter. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I think you're just going to have a West Coast-heavy independent schedule with a couple SEC teams thrown in there. I think that's what you'll find. Yeah, for and, a while. SEC and Arizona, Arizona State. But it could be yeah. it could be permanent. If, if, if this conference realignment shuffle is... Mixing up everything until the dust is settled just for football. Yeah, it could be for a long time that we see that this team makes its own schedule. And I love it. I want to see these unique teams and matchups that we're awaiting, you know, regionals and super regionals to see. It's like the type I want of that matchup to in the regular season. The yeah. type of matchup that they're like lying about having for like the college football realignment. Like, oh, look, we get like USC at Ohio State every week. Oh. Like that's all, always been bullshit, but like the type of lie they're telling for that, like, is what it actually will be in baseball. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we Which they did that. not think about creating. <laughs> like this is to- totally a stray that just like ended up being something like kind of cool. But it's like think about it, like Michigan and Oregon every week. It's like, yo, know, I've lived in a Big Ten market for the last decade. Michigan's come here once. Like these football games are not going to happen weekly. Like you're talking <laughs> about, you bastards. Um, yeah. But hey, we're, we're going to have some uh, diamond royalty potentially joining us next week on the pot. We Ooh. are, Ooh, yeah. potentially. That's a little tease. Diamond royalty. Yeah, there's a double on double on diamond tundra. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, oh. I'm I'm proposing on the episode. The Royal, oh, the, let's the, go. The the royal Is family. Is it gonna be down in West Savannah? He would. What? She would. She would say no if I proposed on an episode. Of <laughs> no, 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 not on that episode. You propose. You propose while we record, and then you just have her listen to it with you after it's released. 
<laughs> say it. Say it. I, I am, I am a romantic. <laughs> you certainly are, JP. Yeah, that's really the romantic of our podcast, and I appreciate that <laughs> about you. Yeah, great tease. Great, great tease for the baseball, baseball, and potentially softball talk for next week, and just great tease in general for the future, for the yeah. rest of 2024, the year of love of it's the like Blizzard Beast podcast. It is like a strip tease. We also but have our clothes on. One for your ears on, and not for your eyes. Strip tease for your ears. That's often how they describe our podcast. <laughs> it's like if you could hear strippers but not see them. Yeah. Hey, there are people who do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, you, guys wanna hear an, you guys want to hear an interesting fact? Always. So I was I was just doing some research and looked up Tyler Billadeau. <laughs> and the 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 Google assisted question was a, who who is Tyler Billadeau's dad? <laughs> yeah, he's a hockey player. He was drafted number 17th in the NHL draft yeah. by the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Not the wow. Canadians. The Why do Canadians. I know this? The I, don't watch I, didn't, I didn't know. I'm the one who wouldn't know this, and I did not know this. Well, the 91 My draft. hockey game's been way off, though. Your hockey game's been way off? Like, my like like your, attention to game. hockey has been way off. Uh, That's not my fault. Don't leave me alone. Be nice. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so Tyler, what's Tyler? What? What? Tyler Billado's dad's name? Share it. B- Brent. Brent Billado. That's a hockey name. Sure. That so is a hockey name. name. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's probably some enforcer. great pictures of hockey hair. Do we have Bill? Brent Billado? Are you a listener? That That's what I want to accomplish this basketball season. I want Brent Billado to become a listener of the show on par with Gary Bizana, and we'll we'll leave, we'll talk some hockey. We'll talk some hockey hair, and. Yeah, I, I want Brent Billado as added to the Belligerent Dads Hall of Fame for sure. Oh, we at some point we could do a Belligerent Dads episode. We could just get like a whole <laughs> you know, a whole crew. Just have them come in one at a time. It'll be like a six-hour thing of just dadisms. No. Yeah, it'd be amazing. No, I want them all in at the same time. <laughs> there is a way to do this. Like, I we'll we'll talk offline about making this happen, but. There, there is a, there is a template that I think we could follow. Yeah, and make something pretty special and fun happen. So hey, don't forget, don't forget, Tyler's mom was in the WNBA. Oh, really? I didn't... yeah, yes. Jesus, who did she play for? The Mystics, I think, and the Monarchs. I don't know somebody else too. I can look. Damn, nice gene pool, Billados. Yeah. We should get Tyler Bill. We should get Brent Billado to bring on Barry Melrose. I always thought that guy was he's he's my favorite ESPN personality. He is he is funny. He is funny. <laughs> he All is right. a Montreal Canadien, or just a Canadien. What's their Belize? Like What's... Winnipeg, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Winnipeg. Oh my goodness. Shout out Winnipeg, the good people of Winnipeg. I love you. Um, this has been the 127th episode of the Belligerent Beefs podcast. Thanks for bearing with us as we figured out a mic issue. And oh, look at that. 
Your Mac will sleep soon unless plugged into a power outlet. We are doing this at the right time from all over the southern, central, and northern American United States from Winnipeg to Belize, Portland to Tacoma, West Savannah and Mobile and everywhere in between. We are the Belligerent Peeves. Thank you for joining us on this tour de force recapping four incredible days at legendary Gill Coliseum. The best days. The The best best four consecutive days ever as JP's data proved. Unless it asterisk. happened before 1998, which is the asterisk. <laughs> yeah, if there if there's an ad, if there's a statistical gathering service for pre 1998 data, let us know who it is, and then in we the will ad. hit the ad for hit their the services ad. advertising what they are capable of doing. My name is Terry Horseman at Terry Horseman on Twitter at Terrence Horseman. On Instagram.com. Please follow me as I will be covering the Senior Bowl all week. Again, that's cream. Cash rules everything around my favorite college football team. TerryHorseman.substack.com and on the dive. And for this week and this week only on the Purple Insider Podcast. Dr. Johnson, I'm telling you to tune into this Vikings content right now. God damn it. Both of our favorite team seasons are over. And we're both chasing the Detroit Lions, which we never thought would happen. So we got to hit this offseason up and running. It's draft season, baby. And this hit me up. Anyway, if you want to talk about the NFL draft at all, it's like, it's it's embarrassing how much I love that shit show. So anyway, I'm joined by, as I always am, by my beloved co-host, J.P. Bertram, on all of the ones and twos. There were quite a few more ones and way more twos than there usually are <laughs> due, to, numbers. due to the twos that destroyed my microphone en route to the Belize of Southern Alabama, the Belize of Belize, some might say. Oh, yeah. Anyway, thank you, JP, for the <laughs> for your tutelage. At JP Bertram on Instagram and at the Trill J on Twitter. That's at the underscore Trill underscore J because he's too Trill to be real. And, of course, up in Tacoma, Repping a Tacoma Rainier's jersey, but rot, not right now. Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Weehage, a.k.a. Benny with a good cough, a.k.a. Benny Bullgame, a.k.a. Benny Burner, a.k.a. Benny Blastoff, a.k.a. Benny Bedlam, because he's fucking crazy, folks. You can follow him everywhere at BennyL1986 on the socials. And follow us, for gosh sakes, for gosh darn sakes, at Beeves. X, formerly known as Twitter, belligerent beefs, pretty much everywhere else. Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky Threads, Snapchat, DoorDash. You hit follow belligerent beefs on DoorDash and get you can get your next delivery. Jersey Mike sub. You can get your next Jersey Mike <laughs> sub for one hundred percent of the cost that it normally costs. Mm-hmm. On DoorDash, it's it's worth it. It's worth it. Don't listen to JP. It's worth it. TikTok, YouTube. Everywhere. It's fucking everywhere. At Bees, at Bees. Please follow us and also take the time to like, subscribe, rate, review. Five stars only, please, wherever you get your podcast. Whether it's Apple, Spotify, anywhere else. Five stars. And also take the time to link up this episode right now and share it with a friend. It really helps us grow the show a lot. 
y'all have been showing up for our postseason football episode so far. We normally see a little bit of a dip, and this year has been much higher than the previous years. We appreciate that. Let's keep it going. Beaver Beaver fandom's a 365-day-a-year job, so Or 366 this year. 366 this year. Holy shit, we get another day. Another day of the Beaver, Beaver fan. Yeah, what a time to be alive. 2024 hey, is going to be does good. Does Martin Beaverman count these days, the leap year days, as he his has number? Yeah. Well, uh, maybe. No, he does. Or maybe not. There are days that... It's not like they're fake days. It's not like they happen, and then what happened on those days didn't happen. I don't know. You could ask fucking like, Paul Molina about that one. He got... <laughs> Never mind. Did he, did he get married on February on leap year? I have a friend. Uh, my friend Kyle was born on February 29th. He's only like six years old. Is he still alive? Yeah. My uncle was like born a normal on, and I didn't ever hear the end of we, it. Let's let's record on February 29th this year. What day of the week is that? No, in the episode. Remember, remember, no matter what day it is, whether it's February 29th or literally any of the other actual days of the year that are also <laughs> days. You can't spell chop them without hope. So chop them. Chop them. Chop them. Will you marry me? Catch us in Belize doing Belizean things. <laughs> Cut.